Hello everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Divine Flow Pod. This is your host Kaimania Laya and we are towards the end of February and I'm recording on a full moon night. So interesting energy and keeping in mind the theme of love, we have a very special guest today who is an OT, a strength and health coach who embodies strength and wisdom and her womanhood so beautifully and has been a great teacher on my own path. So everyone, please welcome Amaya Kianda with us tonight. Hi, that was such a lovely introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Since you invited me to come and speak with you, I've been really excited. So yeah, and perfect timing for the full moon as well. Yeah, like we are creating something. That's awesome. Like, you know, release. So, Amaya, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Like, really excited. Your introduction, like, you're just so great at this. Yeah. It's really cool to be in real time because I've listened to your um, recordings, but sitting with you in real time, it's really really nice. I'm glad to hear that I think my ears of practicing in front of the mirror to host my show really worked. (laughs) Yeah. So Amaya, uh, everyone, if you don't know or know, Amaya uh, does Olympic weightlifting. So if you go to her profile, which is at the rate coach.amaya on Instagram, you would see her doing totally badass things with weights and everything. And you would be like surprised and you would be like hashtag girl crush. But everyone has a beginning, a backstory, a genesis. So Amaya, how did you start getting into fitness? Uh, Okay, so... That would take us right back to when I was a girl. So I've always been pretty active. Um, I did swimming through most of my early primary school, my whole primary school years into secondary school, Um, basketball, karate, kickboxing. um, And at school, when we represented the school and um, competed against other schools, I did lots of different sports and athletics and all of those things. So... I was always interested in that, Um, but when it came to fitness or strength training, um, I really got into that from my bedroom (laughs) when I was 15 and 16. I would buy all the muscle mags, fitness mags, women's health magazines, um, and teach myself about dieting and nutrition and strength training. Um, unfortunately though, I will say with the disclaimer, um, that at that point, my, I suppose, interest and dedication was fueled by some self-worth issues and, uh, body image challenges. So it didn't necessarily start off in the most healthiest of ways, but, um, it's still, it's a really big part of my journey and, yeah, I can really relate to anyone who started um, any kind of fitness from that not good enough perspective. Um, and I've, I'm glad that I've been able to turn it around and uh, feel a deep appreciation for my body and what it can do now. So, yeah, that that's how I got into fitness. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, uh, if you go to Amaya's profile or read her blogs and her story stories, 
she used to write her own programs and practice in the vicinity of her bedroom and over time developed the you know courage the learning just like the courage to be in the gym which is mostly male dominated and a lot of mansplaining takes place and over there working there and occupying her space as needed so that's another part of her journey from you know being this beautiful child being you know concerned about how she looks which is all programming that we know to empowering herself to be who she is now so amaya what what do you do strength in particular like strength training because generally societal programming is like okay women shouldn't be bulky and you know this weird conditioning so what do you do it um so what what in, what drew me to it i suppose well like i mentioned i was very much into trying to make my body look a certain way and I didn't really like doing cardio. It's still not my favorite. Like don't get me wrong, I'll go for walks um and all those kinds of things and occasionally I will feel like running or sprinting, but I'm not someone who will drive to the gym to go on the treadmill personally. I just I don't get any enjoyment out of that um or biking or anything like that. So um what I learned in my research in my teen years was that to get the coveted look that I was looking for um it required strength training because uh strengthening your muscles and increasing muscle tone that gives you that quote toned look um so yes at that point in my journey I was very much fueled by making myself look a certain way and I kind of it suited me that I didn't need to do cardio. Um I had learned about muscle wasting with excessive cardio. Um I didn't know at the time about aging and all of that, which is what I learned through um HMI nutrition school. Um so uh yeah, that is how I got into strength training specifically. So again, it's not necessarily the most um inspiring message as to how I got into strength training because it was fueled by my body image issues um but these days I I love strength training for how it makes me feel um and the looks are just a bonus so yeah that's the back story mm, but I feel no matter the reason you were committed you wanted to try something you dived into it and you know that led you to where you are right now because you know people could have been yeah. uh, like okay nothing is working out for me i give up and do nothing but you didn't do that you tried something and some things didn't work out like maybe i don't know how were you eating at that time were you doing like some calorie deficit diet or you know micro macro something and now you know better yeah. Yeah, exactly. So at that time I was really trying to restrict my calories and I was learning about macros and protein and how protein it it fuels your muscle growth. We all we all need the amino acids from protein, but I also was doing it because I read somewhere that when you eat protein, your body has to burn energy to break down the protein. So in my mind, I was just fueled by burn calories, burn calories, eat lots of protein and go low carb and I didn't really know much you know beyond that I kind of got um mm-hmm. swept up in those fads and then in my early 20s I got into if it fits your macros um 
Act, and that was about you can basically eat whatever you want um, as long as you're within your calorie, your set calorie range and your macronutrient range, which, you know, it does work, I suppose, for keeping your weight management um, in check. But in terms of health, it's, oh, my God, it's terrible. So, yeah, that's kind of where I was at. And I'm plant-based now. I've been plant-based since 2021. Um, but back then I was eating an omnivorous diet. Um, yeah, so I was always having to cut food out. Whereas now as a plant-based eater, I'm like, oh my God, I have to eat more because I'm, I might be full, but I'm like, I, I, I need to fuel my body. I need the energy. Um, so it's quite interesting that the flip the flip side of the coin because back then I was like oh no like I've gone over my calorie budget and even though it was ridiculously low it was quite easy to do because um, animal proteins have a lot of fat and just more saturated mm -hmm. um, that regard you don't get to eat as much so to speak so yeah it was wild so Anaya for our audience can you tell us all why plant protein is superior, why you prefer it, the health benefits, even as like a person who is into weight training and everything, like. Mm -hmm. So why plant-based is superior? Is that what you asked? Yeah, like uh, why you made this switch? Yeah. Because, you know, like we both know this from our HMI education, but for our listeners, like why mm -hmm. the, you know, the educational part of it. So can you share that from your perspective, yeah. from your journey? Sure. So from my journey specifically, um, as a little girl, I never really liked eating meat, to be honest. My family, um, I would go through phases where I would just eat chicken or just beef or because I would literally look at that piece of flesh, that meat on my plate, and I would my mind would think of what part of the animal it came from, like this dead animal. And that really, it upset me. I would gag as I was eating it. And my family um, didn't really support that in their minds. They're like, meat is good for you. You get certain nutrients from meat. I don't want my child to um, not eat it. And I think also just a lack of education, mm -hmm. not necessarily from the nutrition point, but there are other things and other, like, I'd be eating more vegetables, essentially. So, um, and we all know fruit and vegetables are healthy for you. So that, you know, that would be a no-brainer for me. But anyway, so it started from there. And then I kind of just convinced myself to eat meat. Growing up, you kind of get programmed and indoctrinated into it. Um, and then eventually uh, I was competing in my Olympic lifting days. And I was working with a, um, I worked with a couple of, Uh, sports dietitian nutritionists over the years or those four years that I was competing and um, I decided I wanted to eat more vegetarian because I just the amount of meat that I was eating I, I just hated it um, so naturally I was always a bit more inclined to not really want to eat meat even though I managed to brainwash myself to eat it and enjoy it um, And then once I made that switch to vegetarianism, like I loved it. I really enjoyed cooking and eating my meals more. And then in 2021, I decided to do the HMI Nutrition School Candida Cleanse for your gut health. 
um, to reset your gut microbiome and to heal and clear all all the things that I all the damage that I had done through seven plus years of hormonal birth control, stress, everything. Um, so antibiotic use, all of that. And that protocol basically is a plant-based protocol. Um, and my husband and I, we did it together and we pretty much just made the switch. We were already eating vegetarian, a vegetarian style diet, as I said, but, um, having done the candida cleanse it was just really easy we wanted to go that way anyway and um yeah as i was doing the candida cleanse i was also studying doing my hmi nutrition school studies um and just learning about you know the i'll keep it very brief that even just dairy the misconception that it's good for your for your bones for calcium but it actually leaches calcium from your Mm -hmm. bones and it's there's it's not as bioavailable for you as if you were having like broccoli or certain nuts and seeds. Um, so it's just, uh, it's crazy really when you look at, when you actually look at the nutrition facts and the science. Um, so that's dairy. And then in terms of meat, obviously for me, it's ethical and spiritually, um, you know, when, when animals die, they release a lot of the stress hormones and even just the, the thought of me eating animal flesh, I just, no, thank you. Um, Mm-hmm. But just the hormones that you would be ingesting in the meat, you don't cook those out of the meat. And just, it's there's so many studies um, linked to health issues from me eating meat, like from cancer to cardiovascular disease, um, diabetes, all of it. So it's just, in a nutshell, you live longer, you recover better um, from workouts, you experience less inflammation, you age more gracefully, um, you're really unburdening your body's organs and systems when you eat a whole food plant-based diet. I just want to make that differentiation because uh, eating a vegan diet does not equal automatically mean that you're healthy because we all know there's lots of processed um vegan foods and options out there and it's not necessarily the diet that I'm eating or I'm telling my clients to eat when I say eating a plant-based diet it's got to be whole food that's that's the extra bonus point bonus tip in there so yeah Okay, so thank you for this plant-based one-on-one explanation. I feel it would be helpful for everyone else who is interested in this way of being. So, uh, Amaya, at what uh, point did you actually get into uh, Olympic weightlifting? Um, I got into Olympic weightlifting, so I was strength training um, for years, and then after, like, like you had mentioned before, Kaimani, like I was doing it in my room, I had bought all these weights, my little weight collection that I would have um, on my yoga mat under my bed, and I would pull it out when it was time for a workout after school and university, um, until I eventually went to a gym, and I was writing my own programs and all of those things, and um, I experimented with various coaches like I did um agility plyometric type work and then strength training and eventually in 2018 I um started with my Olympic weightlifting coach in Melbourne so he was awesome um it was actually I met him through a mutual friend so we had that rapport already and he kind of wanted to he kind of um proposed it to me as you know I think you'd be good at this based on how you move with your sports and your strength training. And he was kind of getting started 
um, he was still working full time in just his bridge work and hadn't was was trying to build his own business as an Olympic weightlifting coach and having his own club specializing in that. So um, I started with him a couple of nights a week after work and then um, it started in the humble origins of his home gym and then it evolved into his um, actual gym and yeah I just I was really unsure at the start because it's it's so awkward like it really puts your body into positions that you just don't use on a day-to-day basis um requires a lot of strength and mobility in end ranges of motion that you just you you don't do (laughs) like I said in day-to-day and and as we get older as adults like sometimes um feeling awkward and uncomfortable it it bruises the ego a little bit. It's not necessarily fun. And I found that I would watch him and hear his instructions and his cues and his tips. And my brain would tell, like my brain would get it, but my body wouldn't. (laughs) So that was frustrating. There's lots of frustration, lots of frustration, tears. Um, I was at a different stage in my healing journey back then as well in terms of my self-talk. I mean, there's always room for improvement, but I was definitely a lot meaner to myself then. Um, So there were a couple of times I thought about quitting, but there was something in me that was like, no, just, just see it through, see where it goes. And then he convinced me to compete, um, like maybe eight months. I forget the timeline, but it was, I was like mortified because when you're competing, it's all eyes are on you. You've got three judges in front of you, um, the front and like quarter angles to the left and right to watch your technique, to make sure that you're um, not pressing out, locking out, all these technical things that they're looking for to determine if you made the lift or did not make the lift. Um, and then everyone goes quiet. They're playing music for you before you walk out onto the platform. But once you're on there, everyone goes quiet. There's a timer that you need to lift the weight within. Um, And the audience is right in front of you. So I'd have to pick a spot on the back wall so I'm not making direct eye contact with anyone while I'm throwing this weight up in the air and trying to catch it, basically. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically how I got into it and got into competing. It was... It was interesting. I just, I didn't let myself think too much. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'm doing it. Wow. I think that's incredible. Like being conscious about your body, starting to work out and then being on the stage and doing, you know, this amazing, you know, lifting heavy weights and just being at the center of the limelight. So, wow. Oh my God. It was so intense. It was, and you're wearing these funny little like, lycra outfits and it's just yeah it's full-on but it's it's definitely an experience like no other yeah I have always wondered though like you know uh-huh. uh, when you are done lifting the weight and you drop it I am generally scared about my feet because knowing how I am I think I might drop it on my feet. So how, like, did you ever have some clumsy moments while, uh, you know, your training process or anything like that? Um, not so much to do with the feet because it's, 
it's it, the bumper weights. It it does lift the weight up off the ground. So even when it's on the ground, the bar isn't going to touch the floor, and the weights on either side are so far outside of your body that you just there's no way that you would hurt yourself. But um, it just generally speaking, in terms of clumsy moments, like I said, it's learning the movements, and even now, like I've been doing it for years, and I still train in that way. Um, your body will do different things on different days. <laughs> it just depends on your nervous system and what's happening for you on the day or that week or whatever. Um, but when I was learning Olympic weightlifting, I did give myself a blood lip and I did hit myself in the forehead mm. because like, you have to coordinate your body and your head and the bar. All, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. um, like if I was to sit down with you and like technically analyze what's happening in every segment of the lift you'd be like it's mind-blowing there's so much to think about but you shouldn't think about it too much at the same time because that's when accidents can happen so it's just it's the weirdest thing so um but coming back to what you to your original question yes <laughs> blood lip and an egg on my forehead oh from my the bar <laughs> and i've dropped the on my back before actually but that was an ego thing I was attempting a heavy weight and I tried a couple of goes um, mm -hmm. and with rest to let my nervous system and muscles kind of replenish as much as they could before maximal exertion. But um, I kept missing it and my coach was like, all right, just leave it there. We'll try again another day. There's no point. Like you're fatiguing now. It's, it's getting dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he walked away and I was like, I'm going to fucking do this. I'm going to do it. Like <laughs> nobody's talking about and I did it and I like, I was so fatigued. So I, it was a snatch and I didn't quite catch it. And my legs were too fatigued to like kind of jump forward and out of, out of the way of the bar falling down. Um, and so I fell on my back, but it's nothing, I didn't hurt myself. It, it was fine, but it was like, oh my god it was enough to cause a bit of trauma with that particular movement <laughs> that I had to spend months undoing so mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah. and I feel that it's beautiful that you shared this part of your journey with us because um even when like I started working out with your strong with the Maya group and even when it was not like weightlifting, but it was still learning something new and your body is not 100% doing it as perfectly as you are because you have been doing it for years. And there are like kind of awkward moments where you're like, what the fuck are you even doing? And then injuries and the times where you push yourself too hard because you're like, hey, I can do it. Because I think I did that too in your program. I was like, I can do it. I can do, it says 10, but I can do 30 of those and then the next day I couldn't move my legs so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to know that you like you are learning from a coach who knows what goes on behind the scenes where ego can hijack yeah. where we can push ourselves yeah. too hard and just being comfortable with the awkward stages in between Yes, I totally get it. And it's funny because, like, when you say a coach who knows what's going on behind the scenes, like, yeah, whenever someone, like, you might have seen it in the group yourself, like, when someone asks me a question and I don't just give an answer, I ask questions first because I kind of already know what 
what has happened and why it, why someone might be feeling that way or what, you know, whatever happened. Um, because I've been in your shoes and I know, I know what it's like. So yeah, it does help when you've got someone who's, I guess, made mistakes <laughs> and, and, and gone through and learned things the hard way, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. And you know what, like this was such an interesting experience for me because earlier I used to watch like this, you know, YouTube videos, 10 minutes daily for uh, slim abs or, you know, or whatever, uh, tone your calves or whatever the thing was. And they're like videos for everything. And there could be like 10 minutes, 30 minutes videos. And they're like, do this for 10 days and you would see results. And the thing is, it's hard to keep up. And there are so many abs exercises which are like direct abs and then there are burpees and you didn't have both of these exercises in the program at all (laughs) and still I started seeing my abs so I was like wow where were you all my life oh oh my goodness yeah those exercises like those videos as soon as you said those toning or slimming videos it literally just makes me roll my eye I just can't I can't like I won't get into it (laughs) because I will take up all the time um but yeah like it's when you when you told me that you had started to see your abs and you're feeling strong and you guys were working out like the program is three times a week it's not like you're not killing yourselves through a workout you're not starving yourselves um and you were seeing those results and that's why I just I try to impart that to women especially because you don't need to be smashing yourself in the gym or on a treadmill or whatever it is that you've chosen to do to you know obviously I'm much uh, more focused on the functional like the fitness and the strength and feeling amazing moving amazing all of that but in terms of aesthetics and how you look you don't need to be punishing yourself I mean, maybe maybe you found my workouts punishing. I don't think so because you made it through the eight weeks and you gave a glowing review. But, uh, um, yeah, like I think you've experienced that for yourself. Yeah. No, your workouts were not punishing. It was only like, you know, <laughs> one or two times when the self-talk came like, hey, I should be doing more or I should be progressing faster, not just realizing where I started with my adrenal fatigue journey. So we'll get to that adrenal fatigue part later. But I really want to take the time and comment on those videos. Okay. <laughs> um. Are you talking about like the videos that you like? I was just semi ranted about. Yeah, because uh, you know what? The thing with those videos is they are notorious for creating body image comparison issues. And then people don't know what's up with their adrenals, what's up with, you know, their body, their nutrition, sleep cycle, and all the other factors that you know about. And then there are people who are like, I want to lose weight or I want to look up certain way and then there are body image issues eating disorders and whatnot like you know the whole drill so now you commenting about those is like coming from a professional so I really want to listen to your view and also impart it to others as well yeah so I mean firstly I just want to say there's nothing wrong with doing a follow-along video um, workout like nothing wrong with that my my issue is with 
things on Pinterest or YouTube or it's like do this for slim abs or a snatched waist or you know bigger glutes blah 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 and it's like when you work out when you when you strength train you are essentially you're helping your muscles to increase tone and the, the word toned muscles gets thrown around like in such a way where people if I said that I'm sure people listening are like oh they're thinking of I need to turn my thighs turn my arms turn my abs but muscle tone like from a an anatomical scientific um lens is literally like how how well your muscle works and how I guess like the tone of something literally the tone of it um not necessarily about what it looks like so although when you're strength training and you're working out like that you are increasing your muscle tone and obviously some muscle mass. You're also increasing your vascularization, so you're getting more blood flow. You're recruiting more motor units. You can actually produce more mitochondria um, in that way. So strength training will give you that shape due to the muscle tone and all the things that are happening on an anatomical and cellular level. Now, when it comes to slimming yourself in certain areas, you don't really get to decide um, – that that's your body that's up to your body and your genetics and all of that so really that the whole slimming thing just comes down to um your nutrition and the slimming factor is your is fat loss i suppose and um when i first started like posting information about having low fat um diets i was a bit hesitant just because of my background and how that would have triggered me but it's not just from an aesthetic perspective, it's from your internal organs, like the health of your cardiovascular system, the health of your liver, um, insulin sensitivity, um, hormones, even because excess hormones um, and estrogen, there's a link there. So with the whole slimming thing, it's about um, your diet. And there's an old saying, I don't know if you've heard of it, Kaimani, but abs are made in the kitchen. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. This is the first time, but I can, yeah, that's what oh, happened okay. to me, so I can relate to okay. it. Yeah, so it's just basically saying, like, you can't out-train a shit diet, which is true. Um, you know, you can look amazing and not be eating well, but by the flip side as well, if you're eating really, really terribly, your body is going to show that because it's, you know... It's, it loves us and it's going to try and support us and sometimes that means holding on to extra weight. So I, I went on a bit of a tangent there just to give some education about like, you know, when you're exercising and working out, you are turning up and sometimes that might that might result in your waist um, getting a little bit slimmer or your, your, um, your arms will get a bit slimmer as well and all those things. But to be told that doing this 10-minute workout video every day or however many times a week is going to give you instant results without giving you any education on what you should be eating for health, um, it's just straight-up bullshit. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I just, yeah, it annoys me, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you probably feel my energy shift, but it's just bullshit. Like, the amount of people who literally do those things and they go, it's not working, I give up, I'm just going to be this way forever, like... It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I know that. I know that feeling because I tried these workouts for a time. And then they worked a little bit. But then if I stopped, they backfired. And um, 
Yeah. It was also because, you know, my eating disorders, starvation and all those other factors as well. But when I was recovering after antidepressants with obesity, the hormonal imbalance issues, I was unable to work out because my adrenals were like, I was unable to even be on the trampoline, jump for like a minute without being breathless. Like that was how poor my adrenal, adrenal glands were. So people, if you don't know what adrenals are, they are these volatilized organs on the top of kidney. They control our hormone stimulation generally the stress hormones in particular and they have everything to do with your immune system your mental health and everything else so and they are most often ignored and not talked about gut health is of course important but then adrenal health is also equally important and both are also interrelated so amaya was the one who was my health coach like my first health coach who gave me a plan for adrenal fatigue recovery and I was unable to work out. I just used to walk and even walks were tiring. And I just ate like a low-fat plant-based diet and lost about like 20 kgs or so. So like Amaya said, abs are made in the kitchen and then followed with her strength training programs and HMI programs, I was able to actually train for the first time. You've had such a journey, yeah, and you have been such a part of that journey, like from the beginning, the health, the health plan, the strength plan, you know, all of it. It's an honor. Yeah, it's been great to have, you know, just your guidance in to be able to learn from you. Oh, that's my pleasure. Yeah, because I feel that support is very important. Um. Because like the things you told, uh, you told me right now about, you know, how those videos are bullshit. They can't work, you know. Uh, most people, they're boring. They're boring. They are boring. <laughs> and you know what? And they have this uh, weird vibe of, hey, see me. Do I look sexy? Get my outfit at 20% yeah. discount at blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which is okay. Oh if pe- people want to sell yeah. things. Pretty outfits are amazing. But... I don't want to look at you and just like, you know, like that soft porn vibe and just be like fantasize yeah. about you. I want to learn, you know? Yes, exactly. And and can I just say as well, like that's the other thing I, I forgot to mention. A lot of the times those people, they don't, like they look amazing, their bodies, their aesthetic, all of that. And they, pro- they are fit. Like they usually can last the duration of the video because they're conditioned, they can. Um, but they don't necessarily work out that way to look that way, which is another issue that I have because some of these ones that you see on Pinterest, because I love Pinterest, <laughs> um, and I obviously because that picks up on my fitness stuff, um, there's some algorithm stuff going on. So I'll get like, oh, do these wall Pilates for 30 days. And it's just a girl like squatting at the wall, opening her legs um, and closing them, open and closing. And that does work that you that uh, particular movement your glutes do engage but the girl I guarantee I can tell she does heavy weight lifting like she lifts heavy weight she would be deadlifting, squatting doing hip thrusts and she did not get that booty from doing that wall twerk basically and that's what annoys me because people who have no idea and you know they, they're just starting on their journey and they want to learn they see that and they go oh my god yes I found it and it's like no, like you said, she's just trying to sell you an outfit, one. And two, yeah, she looks amazing. She looks great. And I'm sure she knows a lot and she's worked hard. But 
she didn't get that body doing that. <laughs> so that pisses me off too. Like, just be honest. Be honest about what you really do and don't just try and sell someone some bullshit. Mm-hmm. That authenticity is super important. And I love how you <laughs> said it. Like, you know, don't sell that bullshit because I feel strong is a vibe that I have always seen in you ever since I first met you. And I feel... <laughs> strong is something that in the even in the fitness sense you embody which is something not you know associated with women they're not you know the strong one apparently and uh-huh. you are the strong one <laughs> and you embody that and you teach that to other women to be that way for their own body type because like you said like uh, only our body knows how it's supposed to look like we could have a certain standard but depending on you know it's always very surprising to see how our body can look like when we just give it the proper support and nutrition and workout and supplementation and everything because how we are meant to look like like you know it's like finding our authentic self we might have like a picture which is like based on other projections or just like a ego concept but ultimately it's really different than what we could have ever imagined mhm exactly exactly like it's and that's why i've seen um someone else and a former member of strong with the my group the first group um i've had the pleasure of working with her privately as well and she was telling me a little bit about uh this other coach that she had prior to me and that coach was lovely knew her knew her stuff her philosophy was a bit different to mine but when i looked at this person's profile um because this client said wow even like your approach to working out and fitness it's so different like um my old coach really focuses on looks like that's what she's good at that's what she is passionate about um whereas you like me I'm I'm very different in that respect so I went on this coach's profile and um she's obviously successful and likes how she works out um but one thing I didn't really like was there were videos saying I will like um like a Kardashian workout or something like that and it was basically not necessarily inspired by how the Kardashians worked out but it was to get a booty like the Kardashians or you know just trying to basically picking and choosing body parts of famous people that you might like and want to aspire to be and making a workout based around that like that is just i, mm-hmm. I my brain and and I, it makes I, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so. no totally like when you said that what i saw visually was you know how people make these video game characters this is the face i want this yeah. is the body i want this is like the kind of chest this is the booty these are the kind of legs and calves and height and hair i want like hey god made you the way yeah. you are with you know the whatever region culture whatever makeup you were born with and you can't mm-hmm. be like video game yourself like you can of course shift certain aspects if you want but yeah. what yeah. is this like you're not this video game character you're a human being and you need to like you know instead of being externally focused on the ideal image focusing on how can i become my best ideal self yes exactly so yeah it's just it's 
it's interesting. And uh, Liana Shanti, our teacher, like she covers a really good. She covers this really well in the She Can Have It All podcast about looks and all of that, um, which helped me shift my perspective too. Because I definitely came from the perspective of um, you shouldn't want to work out to look a certain way. Um, but that was through my own lens of what I had gone through, where I basically abused the tool of working out and exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've brought up that that woman who. Um, that coach who does those programs on, you know, Kardashian workouts and whatnot. Um, but I think for me and my messaging, it's very much about empowering women to feel strong and not to work out as a tool or as punishment because you don't look a certain way. Um, it's, yeah, I'm really trying to help women reconnect with their bodies and deepen that relationship. Yes, so people, I'll link Liana Shanti's podcast episode in the description for you all to check out. It's amazing. It's mind blowing. It's a must check out. And also about Amaya and her beautiful strategy and being a witness and participant to it, my own self. It's basically you work out because you love yourself. You learn to love yourself by working out, and you work out because your body is sacred. And when you move it, you realize that, wow, you surprise your own self. You don't know your own potential. And yeah. it becomes a tool for empowerment, a tool for self-connection. And that's Amaya. That's what you get when you work with Amaya. This is like <laughs> a testimonial and, you know, kind of a mixed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Introduction, testimonial, like a mutual friend introducing you to her. Mm-hmm. Now, I had shared a bit about adrenal fatigue and I know that had been part of your journey too. So you went from, you know, doing these heavy weights and then you realized, oh shit, I have adrenal fatigue. So that would have changed how you might have worked out. So can you share that part of your journey with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I I don't even know how long I had adrenal fatigue for. I just thought this is life I just didn't sleep enough or whatever whatever stories I had going um and just lack of understanding and education really um so I was as you know I was competing and I was training like I'd do training after full-time work um and I'd get to the gym and I was tired Kaimani like I could I reckon I was so tired I could have fallen asleep if I let myself that's how tired I was but instead of going home to rest or to do something a little bit more restorative and replenishing mm-hmm. um I loved working out I love training but it's not necessarily what my body needed in that moment um I went to the gym and I pushed heavy weights and I pushed for pbs like personal bests um and all of that so I really was digging myself further and further into adrenal fatigue hole um, and eventually, like, it kind of came to a head where I was just waking up feeling depressed, low, like I've been hit by a truck, as if I I was hungover. Um, I would think about, do I want to call in sick today? Do I want to cancel my clients? All, of, all those thoughts would go through my head, and I'd be like, no, just get up, just go. And... It wasn't until I did the um, Candida cleanse program that I realized, and the HMI Nutrition School studying about when I learned about adrenal fatigue in that module, I realized that I had, that was me, like I had adrenal fatigue, um, and my friend at the time um, 
Rebecca from Intuitive Health and Wellness. She, I had some sessions with her and she ordered like this comprehensive blood test and we went through my blood panels and hormones and all of that and we were seeing trends of how things were going for me and that just helped confirm that I did have adrenal fatigue and I needed to change things. Um, so the hardest thing for me at that point because I still was not fully healed of my body image issues and I was still very much using exercise as a crutch to make sure I quote never got fat never got soft never got out of shape that I was petrified of that I don't know why I just was never wanted to be that girl um, in high school who let herself go in when the years got really intense with study um, I never wanted to be that person so I pushed myself with my workouts and my eating and yeah it wasn't until I realized I had adrenal fatigue that I really had to look and take a good hard look at myself because it was messing with my hormones and I, you know I didn't want to finally get to a point in my life where I was ready to have to start a family and then I had to do extra healing work because my hormones and my body were an absolute shipwreck um, because of my lifestyle and also trauma and all the other things that contribute to adrenal fatigue um, but yeah, I had to, I was kind of like, all right, what's more important, like working out a certain way or moving on, you know, moving into the next chapters of your life with ease. So my ego took, <laughs> took a beating <laughs> and, um, I basically backed off with my training. I had the hard conversation with my coach who was really supportive. Um, so I stopped training that way I still did strength training but I I kind of ex I researched and I experimented on myself um and I made sure I wasn't doing anything explosive or taxing and, and because I'd been training weight training for so long what was suitable for me would not necessarily be suitable for the next person and it, it just it varies from person to person but I slowed down a lot I was doing mostly walks I was incorporating yoga and I was doing strength training but it was nothing explosive and nothing too heavy just enough to feel like I got a bit of a workout and to feel good but I will say I did go back and forth a lot I did um push myself too hard at some points because I let my ego take over and then I paid for it and I'd go, I'd go back a few steps in my healing journey. Then I go forward and then back again until eventually I was like, "Fuck this! <laughs> I just want to wake up fresh." Like my husband, he just jumps out of bed and he like, he's he just gets the day started. He's made my coffee enema for me. He's made my cacao latte. He's like taken our husky out for a walk and all of that. And I'm just like still peeling myself out of bed because my cortisol levels are having a hard time rising naturally. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> this is not it. This is not okay. So sometimes we learn through pain. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually I changed my workouts. Um, and yeah, yep. you just have to, unless you want to feel like shit every morning for the rest of your life. Yeah, I loved how you said that because, <laughs> hey, like it's going to be uncomfortable, but if you want, like if you want real change, it can be frustrating, and but it's so worth it. And uh, people, yeah. uh, Amaya mentioned uh, Rebecca, an amazing intuitive health coach and fellow 
HMI acquaintance, so I'll share her details as well. And if you happen to find yourself in Algarve, Portugal, she has she's a health coach one who knows what real nutritional education is, and she has a vegan bakery, the Garden Bakery. So yeah. if you're there, please yeah. check it out. It's more of a cafe now. Wow. <laughs> um, she's not really plant-based foods. Everything is dairy-free. It's like, yeah, everything's vegan. So um, in Portimao, go check her out and look her up on Instagram, thegarden.bakery. Um, yeah, you won't be disappointed. Amazing. Wow. So for people who feel like, you know, um, when you're eating healthy you can't have like fun foods check her out as well and just be inspired and visit her and you know cherish yourself ultimately i think that's the point whether you're working out whether you're healing whether you're eating it's all coming back to ourself our body that i don't know it just flowed into a different tangent amaya i didn't plan this one <laughs> That's that's usually how conversations go, Kaimani. Yes. Uh, so, Amaya, at what point did you realize that being with people who were shitty but were like covered with gold wrappers, which we call COVID narcs, was also contributing to your adrenal fatigue? So I suppose I had some, I had a couple of people in my life at the time, but one was quite um, in my space very often. We lived together for some time with my husband. Um, and I just, oh, I didn't realize there were things, there were behaviors and certain things that I would, I would kind of feel a bit off or funny about things like gossiping or just comments, um, that was said or certain behaviors like for me my biggest thing is when people are not consistent with what they like they they talk the talk but they don't walk the walk and for me that's a red flag um when they consistently do that so there were just just red flags that I kind of ignored I just thought oh you're just being you know picky or dramatic or whatever and um there was lots of toxic behaviors and situations throughout the nine months that um this person was a part of my life predominantly like like very much part of my life every day um and the I suppose the penny dropped for me when this person was away for a week or so and um part of my adrenal fatigue protocol that I'd made for myself um was with the help of Rebecca and then eventually like went and experimented by myself too but I was um having a lot of vitamin c to help with my adrenals because when you're stressed and you're adrenal fatigue it's important because your adrenals tax vitamin c from your body um I went to have my usual dose and I don't know if anyone listening some of you probably know what bowel tolerance is when you have too much vitamin c and you basically get the runs you have an upset stomach so I was having my usual dose and she'd not been around for some days and I instantly needed to go to the toilet and I was like oh my god I think like 
what's going on here? And then after some reflection and by that point, things in that friendship were going a little bit sour. I had realized like, holy shit, um, being around someone so toxic like that is, is perpetuating my adrenal fatigue. And then I kind of, um, did some like deeper journeying and uncovering of the fact that this person was a covert narcissist and it, it blindsided me because there were some things about this person like I thought they were lovely and they were healing and all of that um so it really blindsided me and it took me a little bit longer to figure out but yeah the vitamin c and basically needing to run to the toilet is what helped me realize um some things about toxic people and the effects that it has on your body wow what a clear sign so people um yeah the thing is uh majority of the planet almost every human has mother wound which is the core wound of humanity liana shanti our teacher talks about it has a program about it right uh i'll link that below as well for you guys now the thing with mother wound is it affects our relationship our self-worth our body image issues everything about our life but also our relationships with other women so if your parent was a narc if your mom was a narc so you might find yourself in narc relationships as well if you had to people please your way through your childhood you would find yourself in uh, even in relationships and friendships like that and most importantly you might also adopt traits which narcs have but you would have those as survival or coping mechanisms for example if you are in a group of friends they are gossiping and you are like yeah don't talk like that you are not ending the friendship and going right away you are not saying that i am not going to tolerate that you are just saying like hey don't do this you are in a way complacent in a way and that's because of your trauma so yeah liana shanti also has a very powerful healing from narcissism abuse program i'll also link that down that's like life changing so amaya did you also have friendships growing up that way where you had covert narcs but didn't realize like was it a pattern coming up for you oh my god yeah yes um looking back even like my choice of friendships in high school i was going to say primary school but um and kindergarten but all kids are pretty much narky <laughs> it's development appropriate it's just mm-hmm. some adults they just don't grow out of it sadly um and so they kind of remain like big children emotionally but it's abusive anyway so yes uh yes i have look, looking back there have been patterns of um a lot of covert narc females and i had one that was who i considered a best friend that i met at university and you know the whole you feel seen and heard and special and she just gets me and we're like we're like sisters like <laughs> that that age old um saying like oh she's like a sister to me and all of that my ride or die i was heavily enmeshed in my female friendships and i i tended to take the role of caregiver um and i i of course people pleased and i would not shut down toxic conversations um because i didn't necessarily participate or sometimes i would unfortunately um simply just to i don't know feel a part of something and mm-hmm. to not be the one on the chopping block next but ironically 
like me participating and you know engaging in activities like that didn't keep me safe neither did the people pleasing or being there at this person's beck and call um yeah it that relationship ended quite sour anyway mm-hmm. or more I wasn't sour <laughs> towards the end though I was a bit disgusted that just about everything everything just felt ick um but when I eventually cut that cord with that person um there was some fallout and gossip, further gossip behind my back. But at that point, I was like, I don't give a fuck. All the best. Um, so, yeah, there's mm-hmm. – I have my fair share of friendships. Yeah. And, yeah, I definitely had those tra- too as well. Like you mentioned, we kind of picked things up mm-hmm. as a survival. Yeah, so uh, people, Liana Shanti also has a very powerful cord cutting ceremony. I'll link that reel for you guys as well because we're in the full moon energies. Parasites are more active. So you can just try that and say that prayer. But also now back to these narcs and COVID narcs in particular because um, the thing is they can be quiet. They could be very emotional. They could feel very empathetic. And the thing is you might see that they're brilliant. But because yeah. of the mother wound you are also seeking in a way their validation as well so if they say something good about you you would be like okay yeah she gets me and if they also say something passive aggressive you would be like did i do something wrong like we internalize that stuff yes yes <laughs> yes so can we just like give people some you know red flags to look out for like covert narcs in like female friendships so like you shared something about you know um like you're like a sister to me and just like you know using these emotive dialogues to get you in yeah so i will shamelessly plug um just because i've done a lot of work on there but i do have a page that i started speaking out on and mentioning these red flags in friendships it's um on instagram at roachchakra.things um i've got quite a few posts on there with different scenarios that i went through but i'll happily um list off a few so Mm-hmm. Um, the gossiping of mutual friends is massive so you might pick up some jealousy um, when you introduce her to one of your other best friends or close friends like some hostility and then suddenly they're BFFs but when you hang out with your narc friend they might be looking for some goss and for some entryways into being able to I suppose make your other friend look bad mm-hmm. or just put them down in a sneaky way um so there's that and then oh, then I feel like I've yeah yeah I've pushed it out of my <laughs> sorry it's, go, go ahead. yeah no it's awesome like you know this was like an experience that you had a like a while back and now you're like this is out of my universe now like this is so <laughs> far back in history <laughs> but yeah so uh, I would link down your this account as well but like just like one you mentioned over here then I think number two would be um, always being concerned about their public image Uh, not about what they want what's best for them but just like how they're being perceived and just being like overly focused about it not just validation but just like wanting to be on the pedestal yes Absolutely. I saw that, especially, yeah, in the two most prominent examples in my life, 100%. Um, 
the other thing I will add too on that note just reminds me how um, they would kind of mimic things that they liked about like quirks about me like whether it was expressions I said or just just part of my charisma they would kind of copy and paste that and slot that into their own little arsenal of personable weapons I suppose like they would mold themselves um and it was it was beyond like the energetic blending that happens when you're really close with someone and you talk to them and engage with them quite regularly like that does happen Mm -hmm. but it was like it was a bit unnerving like certain facial expressions that I would do that became something that she would do or things that she would say or inside jokes that I had with my husband and she was around because she'd hang out with us like just it was just a bit creepy after a while so um that's another thing to look out for like it's it goes beyond like you know um Um, empathic blending it goes mm -hmm. it becomes a bit creepy (laughs) Mm, mm, creepy vibes Oh my God, like, you know, this also reminded me back to our fitness example of, you know, this ass, this body and this hairstyle, like they actually just like a video game take up personality traits of people and they're like, oh, this is my new weapon in my Minecraft toolkit or whatever the fuck games people are playing. And then today I'm going to wear this outfit. Today I'm wearing Amaya smile and Jolene's heels, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, you described it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And also uh, another trait that I have uh, observed with uh, these kind of friendships is that they always are the victim. Like, of course, like, um, yes, yeah, yeah, like we could be victim to a lot of things in life, but they are always 100% the sole victim and they never take accountability for their part in anything, not even 1% of it. No, and that's so true. And that's the other thing I do put on, I made a post about ages ago, is that when you first meet this friend, they will have some sort of bullshit sub story for you where they really were hard done by and everyone's awful and my life is awful and I'm such a great person, but this happened to me. Like it's you, it's a rinse and repeat story. And it's so when, when you, when you tune into like, when you realize um that people around you are narcissistic and your body like you pay attention to your body and how you feel like I used to cringe sometimes at certain things like sometimes that would get me hook line and sinker but other times I would cringe and I was like oh my god Amaya you're you're being so insensitive like why are you like why are you feeling this way but that was just my body saying bullshit (laughs) fake this is like you know I'm not and not to say that this person didn't go through a hard time and weren't hard done by but by the same by the same time like they didn't they failed to leave out what they what how they contributed to those situations Mm -hmm. um and just didn't want to do anything to help themselves either yeah and also they have this vampiristic vibe like they would come to you to rant and get advice and it's been like six years could be six years and you're giving the same advice again and again year after year and they don't apply it they just like it's a suck on your energy time emotions everything 
yeah, honestly, it would be the same shit, different day. Like, I, I had that a lot, especially with my, my former best friends. She would call me, um, only at times that suited her, but didn't suit me. And I, of course, would answer because um, that's what best friends do. Mm-hmm. They're there for each other. Um, and it would just be rinse and repeat, complaining. And, yeah, she just became an ask hole. Like, she's continually asking, and your answers would just be, like, they'd fall into this hole, this vacuum of, and they just would, they'd fall on deaf ears basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's something to as well. Now, can you share about your journey of building conscious relationships, friendships particular, female friendships, how have they been different compared to these ones? Yeah. So obviously going through mother wound, father wound, Narc, all of the things. Um, the biggest thing for me was leaving behind those friendships. Um, my quote, "Ride or dies." They, yeah, they showed me their true colors. I suppose when there were differences in opinion, when I didn't get vaccinated, when I um, they didn't really want to hang out with me or see me. And at that point, like I, I was still, um, I was still quite tolerant of things. Um, that I wasn't as self-protective and self-loving. Um, so I was still willing to bend over backwards for people to keep them around kind of thing, which is a wound. Um, and so I suppose when I finally like cut them out and moving countries helped that as well. Um, I felt free to tell you the truth. Like there was grief and sadness because my best, best friend at the time, she, she nearly, she nearly started doing healing as well but for her own reasons chose not to and she admitted to me at one point that she felt like she wasn't a good enough friend because when they would catch up without me because I was unvaccinated um they the covert narc who was a part of that friendship group um and ironically I must say all those friends like they met through me and I think she she became the self-appointed ringleader which is hilarious because I never really saw myself that way but she she wanted to she wanted to take over my position um so she would trash talk me and say all these nasty things and my best best friend um she said that she felt bad because she didn't really defend me or shut down the conversation anything like that and again at that point that was not a red flag I was like oh it's okay I know how she is um so eventually that friendship dropped off as well and when I when they were out of my life, I felt free. I felt like I wasn't babysitting anymore. I felt like I could just breathe. It's kind of like I just didn't have to worry about anyone else anymore because, like I said, I was enmeshed and codependent, of course, but also I was the caretaker and all of that. So I was always available for people at their beck and call when they needed me for whatever crisis they were going through. Um... So that was freeing for me. And then at that point, I was like, okay, anyone who's going to be my friend moving forward, because um, when I, like, for my friendships with people who I'm really close to, like, I'm always helpful to anyone. But when when you're quite close to me, I will move heaven and earth for you if I can. <laughs> so moving forward, I thought, okay, whoever I'm friends with, 
not that they have to do things the exact same way that I do, but, you know, there's got to be mutual effort, but also no pressure. Like, I don't want to have to be scheduled in for a fortnightly catch-up. I don't want to have to, um, like, if, I'm, if I miss a call, or I don't get back to messages because I, myself, I'm having a hard day or just I'm busy and I'm tired or I'm spending time with my husband or anything like that or just choosing to not be available. I don't want to have to deal with any fallout of that because... Um, I also have a life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was kind of like, all right, these are my boundaries around the kind of people that I'm going to allow into my inner sanctum because I can be a bit of a private person. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of just decided, no, I'm all for ease in friendships and connections now. I don't want to have to babysit anyone's feelings. Obviously, I care and I would if I hurt someone's feelings, um, whether on purpose or not, like I would own that and I would, I would listen to someone um, who want to call me out on that but yeah just just that level of codependence and enmeshment that obviously um, you create those kind of friendships based on wounding I was like I'm not doing that <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore wow yeah that's like such a big journey in itself just you know cutting ties out grieving and then empowering yourself to set those boundaries and not feel guilty about it because inner children can come up and then they could be like hey but is this rude am i a cold person and you know what not and then you know connecting with new people and having your own building your own friendship your own boundaries your own flow and rhythm your own dance you know so that takes time and it's like watering a plant and yeah a lot goes into it Uh, and also you know what like one biggest thing I have found the difference is even like a covert narc always demeans your dreams and your potential like they're like fake happy for you if you have a dream they would be like yeah that's great but you know what i heard that this won't work because of xyz reason and in like more conscious relationships even though they're like not that deep yet people are aesthetic for you they're like i am so happy for you i totally see that for you do you need anything that i can support you with it's like that kind of vibe yes exactly the amount of times i think i Oh, that's right. When I started studying um, HMI, nutrition, and this covert narc was, um, I told her about it, and she goes, "Oh, cute!" <laughs> In the most condescending, like, what is so cute about me wanting to pivot and study health and nutrition coaching? Like, I, my brain, I was disgusted and pissed. To tell you the truth, I hadn't cut her out yet. I was waking up to the fact that she was likely a narc um but I didn't want to admit it to myself just yet but wow that was such a big step for you in itself because you were in OT right and then you chose to like you know pivot so would you like to share that part of your journey as well because that's also part of your story right yeah yeah so I studied OT um while I was studying I went and worked in lots of different settings with different populations I worked in neuro stroke orthopedics um geriatrics and then I eventually worked in mental health and pediatrics so and my career kind of went that way in P um and I did I love working with children um they're great um 
but the only thing with OT, like OT is supposed to be, it has holistic person-centered roots um, and then it kind of adapted a medical model to be, I suppose, um, I use the word validated, but to, to be seen as, um, I guess, as important and to be funded in hospitals and all those kinds of things. So uh, the profession adapted a more medical model and how that translated in my practice um, when working with children and with government funding for therapy and all of that is that every second person wanted their child to be diagnosed with freaking something. Um, and if it, it could have just been simply like a child being a child <laughs> and being really sovereign and just, you know, highlight reflecting back to the parent, like what they needed to shift and heal in themselves. Um, sometimes it was from trauma and it was a cluster of symptoms that would conveniently have been slapped with a label of some kind. Sometimes it was vaccine damage from childhood vaccines. So Either way, regardless of what it was, um, I wanted to be more holistic and supporting the family and doing activities that would support a child's development and you know their nourishment and their ability to thrive. Um, but it became difficult because it was more of a not all families, but I would say seventy percent of my caseload would be like, "This is a, this is the issue with my child, and I want you to fix them." Oh my god! And I just yeah, and it was just and you go into schools and they want you like. They want a program for this and a program for that. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, this child just needs some one-on-one -on -one attention and love and to get the fuck out of school as well because that in of itself is just a factory farm. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so I just – perhaps if, if I was at a different point in my healing at that point in the journey, I would have had the strength to be a bit more of a forerunner and done things differently. Um, things happened the way they did, but yeah, it, I pivoted away from that. I still took the skills and the learning and the experience that I got from that career and I still, um, you know, it's still very much a part of how I work with people and coach because OT is also about coaching and meeting people where they're at. Um, but health and nutrition and fitness is also another area that lights me up. So it kind of all melds together nicely because it's also the mental health and play mm -hmm. therapy aspect that I do and understanding the psyche and trauma like and then doing the healing work through Leanna Shanti's programs um so that all backs how I coach and it's it wasn't all for nothing so it kind of mm -hmm. blends together nice yeah it's like a nice chili you make like you know different ingredients beans tomatoes onions masala and then it's yummy in the end and that's you But, oh my God, people, like, insanity, just like the whole something is wrong with me. How can I fix myself? I totally get that, like, you know, because you are conditioned to think that way. And then, you know, parents enforcing these trauma on these beautiful children. And, yeah. And so, people, the trauma, the schooling trauma thing, I think I might have a episode on that for March. So... <laughs> That would take its own time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but Amaya, wow, like what a beautiful, incredible journey you have had. So with all these different skill sets and experiences, you know, you have learned and experienced, what is your favorite part or favorite way to be in service? Oh my God. <laughs> You're putting me on but, um Well, it's hard to say. I, I love at the moment okay we'll just go with the theme at the moment but um I've got some new members in my strong with Amaya group and I had done some personal um I suppose coaching with them before they joined the group and it's just it's so nice when they kind of have this moment of like you just see this shift in how they feel about themselves about their body about working out about nutrition um like you kind of just help them bust through like all the layers of shit about about that that area of health and fitness um and they're like oh so like I don't have to run on the treadmill for 45 minutes every day and then do a weight session and then eat lettuce for Mm -hmm. dinner like I don't have to do those things like no (laughs) not at all what the fuck is that like I would never prescribe that for anyone so I think just seeing that that light bulb moment, that aha moment, and when people realize like that there's more to life than what they've been living, um, whether it's about health or fitness or even you know emotional mm-hmm. wellness, like, I love being a part of that and helping people make that transition with as much ease as possible. Yeah. So yeah, that's my favorite way of being in service. That's beautiful. I feel that's like the beauty of this path or just like being like an HMI coach and, you know, everything, just like witnessing the radical transformation of this human being, their self-concept, their self-love, just everything. Like you're witnessing like a miracle in motion and it's a blessing and you are doing such a great and phenomenal job in, you know, helping people, helping women in particular, uh, connect back to their body as the sacred vessel as not just like an object that needs to look a particular way but as something they can feel confident in exactly exactly that's it's so important you know to be able to move through life and not not say things like oh I'm just not a spring chicken anymore or um you know whatever other sayings people come up with about aging and not being able to do this or that anymore um, doesn't have to be that way and you know what these stories are most often heard from like you know the covert narc friend circle <laughs> yes <laughs> yes 100 percent yeah mm-hmm. so what would be so if you could go back in time what would you tell your teen self, the 15-year-old who started working out? Oh, so many things. Um, I would tell her that she is enough as she is already. She's perfect. And it's great that you want to do all these fitness things and nutrition things. Um, but there is an easier way to achieve your goals as well. And I would basically just show her what I've learned now to date. Yes. Gain strength, love yourself, and eat lots of potatoes and surround yourself (laughs) with, yeah, nice people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
exactly all those things. Like, and you summed it up perfectly. It doesn't need to be hard. Yeah, I think ultimately, if we think about life, it's actually really simple. Like, you have your path, you have your tools, you just need to apply and step onto it. But knowing, you know, your story as you have shared with us, most often we don't know the path or we don't know what tools to use because there's just so much confusion out there in the world. So, but once you get the basics in, it's actually pretty simple. Yes, like, and like Liana always says, like, we like to complicate things unnecessarily as humans. The human brain. <laughs> it's beautiful. I know, a wonderful, yeah, a wonderful thing, um, but most of us don't know how to use it properly. Yeah, it's like that thing in the school, like when you're asked a question, there's only one correct answer and only one way to do it. And you yeah. are like told to, you know, just think or, you know, rot learn and just get that one specific answer and your own interpretation and everything is just like not taken into account, not validated and then shamed, you know, all those things. So we are like, mm, maybe my intuition is wrong. Maybe my brain does not know anything. Maybe I can't trust myself. So let me just overthink this. Yes, exactly. It's, it's really crazy, <laughs> the things that we do and think. Yeah. Now, Amaya, I want to discuss another part of your journey, which would yeah. be a little less obvious than, you know, fitness and adrenal fatigue recovery. But what I get is that you were in a very go, go, go way where you were like, I want this. I'm going to do it. No matter it backfires or whatever. It was a very masculine energy, warrior kind, you know. And you have now shifted to being more flowing, more towards embodying your divine feminine as well. You know, minus the shame, with confidence, with reverence for yourself. So can you share this journey with us? Uh, yeah, so I suppose um, the catalyst for that was with my adrenal fatigue healing. I... Um, I guess I really had to slow down and be more intentional and <clears throat> I suppose allow, not force things so much and get, pay attention to what my body was saying specifically, which also helped me to pay attention to what was happening in the world around me and, um, I suppose the biggest thing for me as well was letting go of my endless to-do lists because that was what helped me get shit done. I think my whole life um, I was able to not let my trauma and repressed stuff keep me down. Like on the outside I was an overachiever, I got things done, I showed up, I did all the things, but my methods to be able to do that um, – were very masculine, were very, I didn't really let myself feel, or if I did, like, I would feel, and then, like, just hurry up kind of thing, like, let's get on with it, so, um, I, yeah, I had to let go of that part of me that helped me, quote, get shit done, um, because I realized that that 
was something that had contributed to my adrenal fatigue as well because I was ignoring my body's rhythms and what my body was telling me, um, which has helped. I'm still not, I'm still working on it, to be honest. Like, I don't have the endless to-do list, but in terms of um, knowing when to slow down instead of push hard, um, I still catch some old patterns coming up, but definitely I do... I have shifted a lot from that masculine go, go, go energy. And yes, the catalyst was needing to heal my adrenal fatigue because, yeah, ignoring your bodily um, signs and symptoms is what gets you to that place. Mm -hmm. It's like you moved from the mind to the heart as well, to the body, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I feel that's exactly. wonderful that you shared this part of your journey because for anyone else who relates to it, it feels like rest was the hardest thing for you to do. It still is. <laughs> but yes, it was the hardest, um, the hardest thing. Um, yeah, it, like I said, for me, it's like there was must have been this underlying feeling of if I rest, if I stop, then my world's going to, turn to shit and that in that would look like I would get um, unfit I would put on weight um, I would wouldn't achieve my goals my you know everything would just go bad um, so that was something I had to work through and kind of prove to myself like see you went a whole week without your to-do list and you got everything done <laughs> um, nothing imploded you can trust yourself I think the trusting yourself part is a big factor as well like trusting your body that you're not going to suddenly balloon out of proportion because you missed a workout this week like it was that trust element yeah. as well I feel this is the like you know most pivotal part when coaching clients through adrenal fatigue recovery because you know the this aspect where they're learning a new way of being and surrendering to that this part is like the most trickiest one because you're like hey, maybe I can chill out and nothing bad is going to happen. Maybe I don't have to be on the treadmill forever. Maybe I can go out for a picnic and it's okay. No one is going to hurt me. No punishment. I can feel my feelings. It's like a whole process that goes internally. Exactly. In, I feel depending on like uh, for you, how many months did it take for like adrenal fatigue recovery? It takes like, you know, different time for different people, depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. so, I would say I definitely, it's hard to pinpoint, to be honest. I, I think this is what happens to people who are healing from adrenal fatigue and they finally accept that. They kind of, there's this, protective mechanism when we go oh I have adrenal fatigue so I have to be careful and that's good at the start of your journey and when you're very much in the thick of it but towards the end like I've coached a few people where they were recovering from adrenal fatigue and I got to do an in-person session with someone an amazing person and um I pushed her with her strength training but because I could see, I was I was reading the situation. I knew her, and I was going based on how she, like what she was reporting to me, how she was feeling moment to moment. And by the end of it, she's like, "Oh my god! Like I'm so much stronger than what I, what I was allowing myself to be." And I've just been so scared of going backwards because in the journey, sometimes if you push yourself, you go backwards and you have adrenal fatigue. So 
there's that kind of element of like, oh, I have adrenal fatigue. I had this thing called adrenal fatigue. I can't push myself. So I, I think I may have healed adrenal fatigue much earlier than what I actually accepted that I had. Um, but for me, I would say maybe nine to 12 months is how long it took me to heal it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's when I noticed when I finally accepted that I didn't have adrenal fatigue because it was kind of like my crutch, like, oh, I'm tired because I have adrenal fatigue. Oh, I can't, you know, do this mm-hmm. because I have adrenal fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of looking at other, <laughs> other um, factors that could be contributing to how I was feeling or whatever. So, um, yeah, it, it did take me a bit of time uh, and probably wouldn't have taken me as long if, I, if my ego didn't get in the way so much. But that's okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah I feel it's just like one of those experimenting kind of process and if you're doing it alone it can be like confusing so that's why when you have a coach or a guide it's helpful because you know they can reflect back and you know monitor and just like see how you're going about things yes exactly exactly and like I said with that client she was like she was over the moon about her progress and you know she had this she'd be keeping herself small because she'd be trying to protect herself um but yeah we kind of just blew the lid off of that one and yeah it's great it was great yeah that's such an incredible feeling like when I did your first strong with the Maya workout I was like hey I was able to go through it like all at once wow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember where you started from like I remember and when you reported back to the group saying how you felt and your experience I was so happy for you because I remember where you were at and how hard it was for you and how down on yourself you were about it and you're like I'm a shit client you dropped like you got rid of a dead weight I was like oh my goodness no because I remember I had I had made the decision to say Kumani let's just like put this workout stuff on a pause this is like when you were still very much healing like everything like candida adrenal fatigue and you're like yeah you dropped a dead weight client I'm like no (laughs) you're not a dead weight client this is just not appropriate for your body right now and I'm making the executive decision for you because you're showing up and feeling like shit that you haven't done this or you had to edit the workout or whatever um so yeah i I remembered that and in comparison to where you were at like especially by the end of it or even your first week like you said like it was just night and day it was so awesome to see yeah yeah because I think the original plan had like you know you have to go through the warm-up exercises like twice or thrice and I was barely Uh able to make it through one round of the warm-up and rest of the exercise just like couldn't happen so Yeah. yeah yeah It's like, wow, it's like mind-blowing the changes our body can go through when we're giving it the proper nutrition and support and, you know, the right tools. Yeah, absolutely. But I would also say, like, anyone else who has, like, adrenal fatigue, like, that, for that time period, I was, like, personally devastated for a little bit of time because it was sad, and anyone who works with me, I won't just like tell them it's not sad, but you can grieve that and you need to grieve that and then you can move ahead. Yes, exactly. We need to grieve things, whatever it is, whether it's like loss of a, a person or loss of an expectation that we had that we could go through a workout, whatever it is, like it's important to grieve that so you can move on. Otherwise, you just carry that energy and it gets stagnant. Yeah, like loss of a, even a COVID narc friend. Yeah, 
or a parasite. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or like an old way of being as well. Like maybe, you know, if <clears throat> like someone who was like you had an attachment with, you know, how good they were with to-do lists and now they do a different approach. It's okay to uh-huh. grieve parts of ourselves that served us in the past and honor uh-huh. them and maybe just, you know, put flowers to them. Just like literally give them flowers and be like, hey, I got it from here. Thank you for your service and I love you. That's that's a beautiful, like, I guess, little ceremony you could do to help with the grieving process as well. So how do you see your past selves? Are they in a grave or are they happy in a beautiful place in nature? Like, how do you see that part of, like, those parts of yourself? Um, to tell you the truth, like, until, until you literally just asked me that question, I, <laughs> I don't really think about that. Um, but... I suppose when I think of my inner children, um, when I see them, the ones that have been integrated and healed from my past selves, like they're free. So it's more like the happy meadows. Well, for me, actually, in the lagoons and um, in, in the ocean and all of that. So it's more of a happy experience than a graveyard experience. Wow, that's beautiful. Like, like I feel in a way that grief, compassion and love comes together and, you know, becomes this testament, this tear, this pearl of reverence for your whole experience. Yeah. And for other people's experiences as well. You can, it, it really helps with compassion for that. Mm, 100%. Um, so, Maya... This has been so exciting, just like looking at your life and you being willing to share that with us and your mission and, you know, all the amazing work that you continue to do and uh, offer support with and guidance. So let me just ask you a few like fun questions, okay, for this segment. Okay, so what is your favorite post-workout snack? Um, oh, I'll be honest, like I just, anything that will just fill my tummy, because usually I get hungry after a workout, but, um, so it wouldn't be a snack, it would be a meal, um, I love pasta, I've always loved pasta, so probably pasta, like lentil bolognese or something, it's always spaghetti, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about team penne, team short pasta, <laughs> I love long pasta, spaghetti linguine, like all the long ones, so yeah, spaghetti bolognese or something like that would be my favorite. Perfect, sounds yummy. <laughs> <laughs> If someone has adrenal fatigue and they could only do two things, what should they start with? Mm, okay, to start with, I would say get your nutrition streamlined, like with your plant-based eating, whole food eating. And uh, I would say get really protective of your sleep. Start there. Awesome. And for someone who doubts that they have a COVID narc friend, but they're unsure, any question for them or tips for them? 
you're going to be unsure and that's okay. Eventually though, like just see it as you're collecting the puzzle pieces, like the little clues and signs, you're just collecting little puzzle pieces and eventually you'll have all these puzzle pieces that <clears throat> create a big picture that you literally cannot ignore. So that's fine if you're still a little bit like, is she, isn't she, am I just being sensitive? Um, am I making it up? Am I just looking for problems? Like you're usually going to be second guessing yourself and thinking that you're the one with the issue and you're just, you know, like mm -hmm. I said, being sensitive or dramatic. Um, but that's fine. Just meet yourself. Like, if you're not ready to let that friend go yet, that's fine because you will get to a point where you're like, fuck this, I deserve better. I'm done. Um, and uh, trust me when I say that because I was the most enmeshed, um, people pleasing friend, um, and I, like loyal to a fault in a sense. Like, just I would really take a lot of abuse and just excuse it. So, take it from me, you will get to that point. Beautiful. You'll, you'll feel so much better. And if someone is feeling guilt about the ways they took out narcissism traits to survive, what would you say to that person? Forgive yourself um, because you would have picked up those traits as a child. And as a child, it's not your, it's, your job is to be you and to learn about this world and to learn about yourself and be supported and loved unconditionally and cherished for the beautiful soul and being that you are. And um, unfortunately, you had a narcissistic parent or both parents. And so the only way for you to survive because you're fully dependent on them was to play the game. And that kind of was molded into who you are today. But not it's not really who you are it's just a, it's a piece of dust in your in your energy field and that can be released so forgive yourself you know better now and you probably recognize it if it's not fully healed and you see certain behaviors or you want to say something to sting someone because they've upset you and you catch yourself and you stop and you choose to do something different like that's that's what matters most is recognizing it and just step by step changing it and healing healing those patterns don't feel bad hmm. what is your uh, favorite low prep snack to go like you know your low prep favorite snack to eat mm -hmm. um oh my goodness it's can I just say side note like I really, I laugh when I get like food questions and like, Amaya, what should I eat? Or what do you recommend? And I'm just like, oh my God. Because for me, like I, I love to eat and cooking though, like I have to really be in the mood for it. Um, and I will do it. It's more like I will cook, but I love being dined and I love trying new foods and stuff like that or just eating and having food cooked for me is my favorite thing um so when I cook and like when I'm busy during the week like my meals are very basic and people laugh at me for that um and so these questions make me make me laugh so I think like my depends what kind of snack like what I'm in the mood for it could be a smoothie it could be like a fruit platter um not a fruit platter, like a little fruit bowl, fruit salad. Um, 
oh, steamed potatoes with the best seasoning and yeah, that that's very basic, but it just hits the spot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, people, Amaya also has a meal plan for adrenal fatigue recovery. And do you have like another meal plan as well? Did you have two meal plans? Or and yes. Or, mm-hmm, go on. Oh, um, I have the three-day meal plan for adrenal fatigue. I really had to dig deep with that one and find all these recipes that I thought people would like because I don't eat boring like I do during the week. Um, and so that's free, that's free the three-day one for adrenal fatigue and hormonal balancing. And there is a seven-day one that is part of my um, Strong With Amaya program, Um and I also write custom plans as well, which is usually that we go through your whole like health history and your goals and all of that. Um, and I go away and make a seven-day meal plan for you based on that. Hmm. So people, you have lots of yummy options for the Maya. And hmm. now we'll get back to the questions again. Mm-hmm. If you could be any sea animal, who would you be? dolphin <laughs> dolphin for sure I've been obsessed with dolphins since I was a little girl I used to have like I don't know between 30 and 50 little figurines like little crystal ones or wooden carved ones um, plastic like I just love them so much so a dolphin for sure so precious and if someone is struggling with body image issues what would you and you know when they're looking in the mirror they can see all their flaws what would you tell someone like her oh, i don't even know if i have words i would just give them a hug a big hug and say you're enough you're perfect but i also understand that those words can like they don't mm-hmm. they don't always the way they need to because when you're in that headspace like you just you're not receptive yet you're not ready yet so it would be a lot of love um like through a hug or something and I would suggest I would bring up mother and father wound (laughs) for sure (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes 100% um and when during a workout or you know on or during adrenal fatigue recovery, when there are moments when you are disappointed or, you know, when you're frustrated. So for during those moments, what would you tell someone? Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you're, if you are, or for example, for myself, even like, the frustration really just comes from like your expectations of being somewhere where your body is just not there yet. And I think reframing it and looking at it with more compassion, like sometimes it sounds silly, like when I'm working with kids and like they're trying to learn a new concept um, and they're getting frustrated by it. And sometimes I'll say, it's okay. Like your brain is just learning a new way of thinking. That's all it is. So obviously the brain is a part of them, but I'm just kind of like just talking about the brain as its own separate entity, just, just to kind of take away that like just shift the thought of oh I'm dumb or I'm 
having a hard time learning. Whereas if I'm like, your brain is just having a hard time understanding this, it's learning something new. So in applying that to someone's body who's healing from adrenal fatigue, it's like your body has gone through so much. Um, it is healing. It's getting better. It's not quite there yet. And that's okay. Like looking at it from that perspective of your body needs more love. Your body needs more time. Not, not you as the person. Um, if that makes sense, it kind of just shifts the mindset and the perspective a little bit and helps, helps to tap into more self-compassion, I feel, and patience. My hundred percent. It's like a shift from like fix you or fix me concept to hey, like a to like hey, this is the moon. This takes its time to be whole. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, this was a combination of Amaya's skills of you know all her different. What can I say? You have so many skills. I don't even know how to label them. But, we don't need to label them. <laughs> yeah, all her different gifts and talents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a combination of all her different gifts and talents and coaching experience and her life coaching gifts, like everything just coming together and a sneak peek into what you would get when you work with her because she's amazing. And yeah. Oh, thank you, Carmani. I really, when you invited me, like I said at the start, I was really excited and honored to be a part of this. I think you're just such an amazing human being. You have such a unique way of helping to reflame and reflect things to people, and your compassion and love and joy is just, it's just something else. It's otherworldly. So have it been the privilege of being your friend and like also being hosted like it's it's been fun and I'm I'm grateful for this experience so thank you yeah it's been interesting like just you know um starting getting to know you being coached by you being friends and then just like interviewing you now but yeah I think that's helpful because then I can share that how awesome you are oh thank you i appreciate that and i am so grateful that you know you accepted the invitation to be here and i love all the beautiful things that you're doing in the world and changing how people feel about themselves personally you were a big part of how i shifted my perception about myself so it's like I owe a lot of gratitude and love to towards you, your coaching, your support, and just like who you are. Oh, that means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I mean, um, yeah, I always just think it takes like that's have one to say it's all you, <laughs> but I also accept. I also accept your gratitude. Yeah, I think it's also like coaching with someone or working with them is also like a co-creative process, right? Yes, absolutely. It's not like it's, yeah, that's a perfect way to say it, co-creative process. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we end the episode, if you could leave our audience with your biggest takeaway from it all, what would it be from your whole journey? Oh my goodness, these questions. <laughs> um, oh 
Wait, do you need I options? Would... Uh, if you have some, go for it. Otherwise, I can. Of course. I always wanted to, you know, share options. So it's okay. Great, let's go. Okay. So option okay. A. Love yourself for who you are becoming and who you were and who you are. Option B. Eat lots of potatoes, heal your core wounds and cut away narcs. Option number C. You might feel frustrated and hurt your back in the process. But just because you're dancing in between doesn't mean you're on the path. Just keep going. Option D. It's safe to honor your own timing and your own unique journey. And if you give it time, you could, you might be brewing your most delicious uh, chili, like your life path has been until now, all your different skills coming together. Well, you actually didn't help because those are all really good. <laughs> so um, all of those. Okay, I'll, I'll go with all of those and I'll add my own in there. And that is um, meet yourself where you are at right now. So I think that's something that I always post on my Instagram and it comes through in my messaging and I'm like oh so I just I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again but it comes up so much in conversations and day-to-day or what I see just come into my awareness and it's so important that we meet ourselves where we are at and I have to remind myself of that too um when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and like oh I'm here at point a but I want to be in point b um or I know what I want to be doing and it's like okay but with what you have right now, like what can you do with the tools that you've got? It might not be the tools that you like, um, like the best tools that you were hoping to have at this point, but you do have some tools and what can you do right now? So meet yourself where you're at. That's probably the biggest thing that I say to clients and they remind myself of as well, because um, otherwise we just put unnecessary pressure on ourselves and then we end up just staying in the same spot because yeah. Oh, we're mm-hmm. not being kind to ourselves. Yeah, I love it. And I love how our main messaging are the things, the lessons that we learn to master on our own path. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's funny, not funny, but like, yeah, it's just... <laughs> is that way and I'm glad that I gave you the options because we got your main heart intention <laughs> medicine out for everyone to hear and you can say it a hundred times it would still not be enough because it's an important message yeah like maybe true. if you have merch you could just like have it written over there but then if it's like on a yeah. tank top it could be creepy if they're like creepy people <laughs> around meet yourself (laughs) where you are yes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so amaya this has been amazing and i'm so grateful that you are here and we got to talk in real time and share so many beautiful things with people so thank you so much 
Yeah, thank you for having me. It was so fun. Yeah, okay. So with that, people, episode 14 of the Divine Flow Pod is a wrap. And all the other links and things we talked about, I would share in the description box. So just like keep an eye out for them and sending you all so much love and a beautiful end to your dazzling February. Goodbye and take care. Talk soon. Thank you.